Sooner or later, when you least expect it, there comes a point of no return, a dead end from which there seems no escape, a moment in time, a moment of crisis. Sure is a warm night. Yeah, sure is. You'd think the county'd let us have air-conditioned cars, like the state troopers have. The county's too poor. Yeah, I suppose. This talk is going to cut us down to one man per car. Night time, too? Yeah. Well, that's about the time I believe I'd turn in my badge. Know what I mean? Yeah, me too. It's too dangerous. <laughs> it's crazy. What do they expect out of a sheriff's officer anyway? Man, it sure is hot. Not a breeze stirring tonight. Hey, Jerome, look. Huh? What? Uh, Up there. You see what I'm seeing? Goo great. God's a goose grease. What kind of... What the dickens is that? You ever see anything like that in your life? Looks like a... A big, shiny metal football. With lights flashing all over it. I'm going to call this in. County 6 to control. Go ahead, 6. Control, we have an unidentified object in sight in the sky uh, about three miles south of Bagley. What do you think it is? Beats me. You want to see it. What does it look like, Jerome? Looks like, uh, well, now I'm not so sure. Come on, Jerome, it's landing. Hush up a minute, Wesley. Listen, Bill, we're going to go after that sucker. Now, listen, you call the sheriff. You know what time it is? I don't care what time it is. Wake him up. This could be big. This could be the biggest thing that ever happened in Bunch County. Bunch County. A rural population of just over 10,000. In a few hours, every one of whom will know that their county has had its day, or night, of fame. It begins with officers Jerome Orr and Wesley Honeycutt, and what they saw as they parked awaiting speeders on a lonely county road. And it ends with... But if you stay with us, you'll see how it ends. Tonight, Crisis spins a yarn that may be fiction, or it may not be. In a moment, we'll bring you Act One of A Warm Night in Bunch County. I can still see it through the trees. You keep your eyes on the road, Jerome. I'll tell you what it's doing. We'll be in the open in a second. Why don't you turn on the siren? Because I don't want to wake up the whole dang valley. There. Now, look at it. Holy smoke. It's big enough haunt. Look, one of those lights is dropping down away from the rest of it. It sure is. Uh, Jerome, it's heading this way. Jerome, what are you slowing down for? I'm not slowing down. The motor's quit. The lights. What's happened to our headlines? That dang flying saucer's after us, Wes. Is 
All right, you people, quiet, one at a time. No, all right, all right. Let's have it quiet. Thank you. Now, you was all called here because Dr. Pulaski here heard about what happened in the valley last night and flew here from Atlanta. Now, all he wants is to have us each tell our stories quietly, one at a time. Yes, very good. Thank you, officer. Now, I'll just switch on my tape recorder here, and we'll start with, uh, with you, officer. What was your name again? Uh, Jerome Orr. O-R-R. Very well. Now, just tell us what you saw. Well, it was kind of round and flat, uh, like a football, only it wasn't like a football exactly. Yes, an oblate spheroid. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Just go right ahead. Well, it had those flashing lights all over it, and it looked like, like I was coming down for a landing. How big is it? I say, well, you couldn't tell. It, it could have been bigger than a 707. Only I don't know how far away it was. Any sound from it? Not that I could tell. They make a very low humming noise. That's right. Oh. Please, please. All right, you people. Now, quiet. Well, they do. We'll be glad to have everyone's testimony if you'll just be patient. Now, Officer uh, Orr. Yes, Officer Orr. You say that as you drove toward the larger object, it sent off a glowing ball which came toward your car. Uh, that's right, it did. And it stalled the motor and killed the lights. Yeah. Oh, uh, this here is Officer Honeycutt. He was with me. Yes, now, did this object make any sound? I don't know. Did it, Jerome? None that I could remember. The, the fireballs make a whooshing sound. People, please, people, please, one at a time. No noise, officer? Uh, I guess not. And can you describe the motions of this fire, this uh, glowing object? Well, it, it just sort of hovered over the patrol car like it was sort of looking us over. And then it went back to the other, uh, the, the, the other... Scout vessel. The scout vessel. I see. Well, now, perhaps if I could interview the rest of the people one at a time, somewhere more private, we could... Uh, you can use the office we're in right now. You want everyone out? I'll just take them one at a time. Okay. All you folks, just wait outside until you call. Now, where was I? You were asking about that fireball. Oh, yes. Now, you say it... Seemed to look you over and then return to the scout vessel. Oh, well, I didn't call it that. That was Mrs. Starr. Oh, the lady in the pink dress. Yes, sir. She, uh, she's our local, uh... uh not Wesley. Uh, well, you might as well tell him about her to begin with. What's her name? I want to write that down. Uh, Mrs. Starr. Oh, she's harmless. Lives out about three miles south of town. Uh, not far from where we've seen the thing. Oh, well, now, she might have something to add to all. Oh, <laughs> she will have. You can bet on that. I take Mrs. Starr as uh, kind of a local character. Uh, you could say that, yeah. When I was in high school, she was into palm reading. Then along came the astrology craze, and she was into astrology. Burns incense, that sort of thing. Yeah, and she's the chairman of the local uh, flying saucer club. Oh, I see. Well, every town has at least one of them. Why don't you let her come in next? Okay, uh... You might as well get her off your back first. All right, Mrs. Starr, you uh, want to come in next? You need us to stick around anymore, Dr. Pulaski? No, thank you very much, officer. You and the other, uh, you can go ahead. Okay, we'll be outside if you need it. All right, Mrs. Starr. 
You're on. Thank you. Oh, Dr. Pulaski, Bagley Valley is certainly lucky to have a man of your distinction here in our midst. Well, thank you very much, Mrs. It's about time someone of national importance investigated these phenomena. Have you read any of my letters? Your letters? I've written to you several times with my contacts from Venus. Well, surely you... Oh, but then you're a busy man. You wrote to me where? Well, there at the university. Oh, well, your mail probably hasn't caught up with you. I'm the North American contact for Ashta of Venus. Oh. So last night's occurrence hardly surprised me. He's been telling me one of his ships would be here as soon as their work permitted. Let me understand you, Mrs. Starr. You say that you expected the sighting last night? Well, certainly. And so would you if you'd read my letters. I see. Time is drawing very short, Dr. Pulaski. Ashter and the Venusian masters have been very patient with us, but we can't expect them to delay forever. Delay? What? Well, the come and take over. All the signs are pointing to it. The international monetary crisis, the reshaping of our international alliances, our government crisis, the food shortage, the power shortage, the... Oh, oh, and by the way, you mustn't hold it against them for using some of our power. Hold it against who? Whom? The motherships. They never intended to black out the whole eastern seaboard that time, but they had an emergency and had to recharge their power You're plants. a little ahead of me, Mrs. Starr. Are you talking about the power blackout of 1965? Yes, and, and they'll never drink so much power at one time again. They promise. Oh, well, that's very reassuring. Now, if we could get down to last night's sighting. Fine. Did you happen to see anything? What happened to? I was sitting up waiting for them. I see. And just what did you see? One of the Venusian ships. It was the usual scout vessel they sent. And would you agree with the officer's description of it? Mm, yes. Mrs. Starr, have you ever seen any other UFOs? Oh, time and again. Of course, I maintain that everyone would see them more often if they would just be looking for them. As you are? Yes. All right. Thank you kindly for your time. Oh, aren't you interested in their mission here on Earth, Dr. Pulaski? Oh, you have an opinion on that, too. Well, it's more than my opinion. It, I only go by what the Venusian masters tell me. You Excuse see Excuse me, what they tell you? Why, yes. And how do they tell you anything? Well, telepathy, Dr. Pulaski. Oh, my goodness, you certainly must know more about ESP than I do. Well, I'm just lucky enough to be a sensitive. I tune in on their thought messages. I see. And this is how you knew there'd be a UFO in this area last night. Well, of course. Well, thank you very much for your time, Mrs. Starr. Oh, would you be good enough to leave your name and address telephone number in the event that we might want to check any information with you? Well, certainly, certainly. Here, I'll put it on this card. There you are. All right, Mrs. Starr. Very nice to meet you. Oh, the pleasure was mine, Dr. Pulaski. And do look for my letters. They explain so much. It's been a long, hot day in the town of Bagley. And in his painstaking way, Dr. Pulaski has interviewed all of the townspeople who claimed they had seen last night's UFO. In the afternoon shade on the porch of the sheriff's office, one last interview is taking place. You say you're who? Sherry Ormiston, of the Bagley High Bugle. Oh. Can I ask you some questions? Uh, may I ask you some questions? You can and you may. Well, how do you spell your name? Well, that's an easy one. P-O-L-O-S-K-I. Polosky. Uh-huh. And where are you from? 
I'm from Northwestern University in Illinois, but I happened to be in Atlanta doing some investigation on another UFO report when I heard about this one. Uh-huh. And, uh, and how many Bagley people did you talk to? I don't know, maybe 15, 16. What do you think it was? What, the UFO? Uh-huh. <laughs> My dear little girl, if I knew that, I would be a very famous man. No one knows what they are. We don't know where they come from or what they're doing here. That's why I'm investigating them, you see. Oh, well, uh, didn't you interview Mrs. Starr or Mrs. Tenney? Oh, yes, indeed. Well, uh, <laughs> they know. Yes, I'm sure they think they have all the answers. Unfortunately, however, the world of science doesn't recognize Mrs. Starr's mental telepathy or the ESP of Mrs. Tenney. Oh, Doctor, did I hear you mention my name? Good afternoon, Sherry. Oh, uh... Hi, Mrs. Tenney. What was that about my ESP, Dr. Pulaski? I was explaining to this child that the world of science unfortunately requires more evidence of UFOs than ESP or mental telepathy. Yes, they're always a few years behind. How's that again? Science. Your scientists won't believe anything unless they can stick it under a microscope. Tell me something, Doctor. Have you ever read Charles Adamski or Dan Fry? Uh... No. Well, they're a whole lot closer to the truth than your scientists are. You wouldn't need to go traipsing all over the countryside interviewing people if you knew what we know. Yes, I'm sure that's very interesting. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm going to try to arrange a flight back to Atlanta. Oh, but I didn't get all my questions, Dr. Pulaski. All right. Well, good luck, Doctor. <laughs> it's too bad some people are so blind they can't see the forest for the trees. Yes, child. More questions? Well... Like, um, like, where were you born, and, and when did you first get interested in the UFOs? I was born in Poland in 1925, and I became interested in UFOs in this country in 1948 or so. Now, you must excuse me, I have a splitting headache. Well, Doc, you get what you needed? Oh, it's really very frustrating. You go all over the country hoping to find two or three scraps of information from witnesses that might form some kind of a pattern, but so far there's really nothing. Both of you have been very helpful. Oh, glad to help. Uh, say, how's your headache? Oh, it's much better, thank you. Doc, what do you figure they are? Hmm? Those UFOs. Oh, be easier to tell you what I think they aren't. They aren't conventional aircraft. They aren't all optical illusions. Too many perfectly rational people report them. Some sightings are mistakes, of course. They're Earth satellites or some other natural thing. But what are they? Shall I let you gentlemen in on a scientific secret? No, go ahead. Nobody knows. Nobody? Nobody. You don't think they're Russians? Highly unlikely. Or some secret uh, American project? Not a chance. Then it's sort of... A big nothing, huh? I'm afraid so. <laughs> well, I'm here to tell you, we seen something last night. Oh, I'm sure you did. It's just that I'm afraid nobody can shed any light on what it was. <laughs> Except Mrs. Starr and Mrs. Tenney. <laughs> Them old hens. Uh, sorry about the talk. Oh, everywhere I've gone, you run into people like them, gentlemen. They're sincere, perfectly honest, intelligent people, but they've convinced themselves they have some higher source of information than the rest of us poor mortals. <laughs> Yeah, that's about it. Well, they're harmless. Say, here's the field. Oh, yeah. So Doc almost missed a turn. 
Well, thanks for driving me out here. We'll be glad to wait till your plane comes. Oh, that's not necessary. It's such a warm evening. I'll just sit here and stargaze. Well, I hate to just dump you out. Uh, let me call in and let them know where we are. County 6 to control. Control, go ahead. Yeah, me and Wesley took Dr. Pulaski out to the old airstrip north of town to get a helicopter that's coming in for him. Uh, anything happening? Over. Uh, 10 4, Jerome. You got a couple visitors here in the office who uh, want to see you pretty bad. Visitors? Who are they? It's uh, Mrs. Starr and Mrs. Tenney, over. Now, what the dickens do they want? Well, they claim they have some kind of information about that UFO you guys see. Oh, my aching back. <laughs> Don't that beat all. Well, tell them to write out a report. Over. I did, and they did. Gentlemen, it sounds as if you're going to have plenty of work to do. I'll just uh, get out now. Thanks again to both of you. I hope you're not trapped with the ladies too long. You still there, Unit 6? Yeah, we're here. Well, Mrs. Starr says you better bring Dr. Pulaski back with you. Well, you tell Mrs. Starr and Mrs. Tenney that Dr. Pulaski has to catch a helicopter that's coming up here to meet him, but we'll come on in. Unit 6 out. Be gentle with them. They're well-meaning. Yeah. Well, thanks again, gentlemen, for all your help. Uh, say, if your rag don't come in, uh, there's a payphone over there by that little shed. Fine. Well, good night. Yeah, good luck, Doc. And nice to meet you. Attention, Scout Ship Omega. Attention, Scout Ship Omega. This is Investigator 325. Results of Investigation Sector 4941. There are two telepaths in this sector, as we suspected. Advise action, please. Yes, sir, understood. Operator, can you connect me with the sheriff's office in Bagney, please? Thank you. Hello, sheriff's office. This is Dr. Pulaski. I believe there's a Mrs. Starr in the office. Could you put her on the phone, please? Thank you. Hello, Mrs. Starr. Well, this is Dr. Pulaski. I... Yes, I know. I had expected to be picked up, but I just learned that the helicopter had some kind of engine trouble and won't be coming. I was wondering if I might impose on your hospitality for the night. You would? Well, that's terribly kind of you. Yes, I'll be right here at the airstrip. Waiting. A Warm Night in Bunch County featured Merrill Mayo, John Pricer, Ross Perry... Pat French, Lee Posh, and Joanne Smart, and was written and directed by yours truly, Jim French.